Hello and welcome to the Creative Scramble. My name is Carl Thompson and today I'm joined by Creative Agency Operations Director Kieran Edwards. Hello. Hi. It's a very official title, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. <laughs> so you work for an agency called Shoot the Moon. You yep. do a lot of design work, a lot of creative work, a lot of photography, and you work with some massive brands like Pets at Home Co-op and TUI. Yep. So give us a quick intro into who you are and a bit about your background. So me personally, my background originally started out in, um, in well, I guess you could say social media. Um, I, it, was a, it was a temp job after uni, I think, how I got into it. My degree originally was, was music, which not many people actually know. Um, and I did some temp work at um, a company called Galaxy Optical. That Essentially, they're a white label, um, or they were at the time, Tesco Opticians. So they were the, the, the people behind it, the, the kind of the operation. Um, and I was doing some work in the IT team and I was there for two weeks after uni just trying to get some money together like most people are that have just finished uni. Um, and I overheard the CEO saying that we don't, they, don't, they didn't really have a marketing team. They wanted to put something out. They needed to start pushing the Tesco Opticians brand a little bit more. Um, and I, I took some glasses home one night. I, I filmed a little video with my little brothers and my mum and made a bit of content. And I was still living at home with my parents at the time. Um, took it in, put it in a CD and sort of said, do you want to use this? Here you go. Um, if you don't, bin it. Um, they liked it, used it, and then on the Monday um, offered me a um, offered me a job as a, as a creative executive, I think was my title. Um, so I kind of got into that and through that and doing that for, for a year or so after, it, it was a lot of sort of social. We didn't have social channels, so I set them up. I had to learn the hard way. We were at a point where, um, obviously probably seven or eight years ago, it was still very, very new. There was no one in the business that, that kind of knew what social was or how it needed to work. So it was kind of just, can someone get on with it? Um, so I kind of had to do a lot of digging, a lot of reading online, a lot of sort of decisions for myself. In fact, this is how I think it should work. Um, and then went moved on to um, Cheetham Bell JWT in Manchester. They're like the Manchester arm of, of JWT, which I think at the time had something around 186 offices. So a, a more of a, a global agency feel from an office in a, in a warehouse in, in Altrincham where he was at the time and into the city and I think that's when I really started to sort of hone my craft around social strategy. Um, Cheat and Bell were very much, they were very above the line, uh, TV um, and a lot of sort of bigger campaigns and, and I think up until me joining social like for a lot of agencies at that point was the afterthought and, and I kind of got involved in a lot of campaigns about so this is how it can work on social. Um, and there wasn't necessarily anyone to, to, to learn from. I think at the time, uh, just the way it was, and, and obviously I, I get it in no disrespect to the agency, but my line manager um, was one of the account directors who was kind of, whose background was print. So it was kind of, I was coming in as long as I was sort of checking in with her, but there was no one to develop me on, on social. And it was like, right, I'm working with these, you know, relatively large brands, the likes of John West, Tuna, which at the time is a big brand, a household name. Did you come up with the John West fighting the bear campaign? Yeah. <laughs> well, at the time, so we, we were doing... It's like one of the first viral hits. Yeah, yeah that, that wasn't me. <laughs> but the, um, the, uh, at the time, we, we were doing the ads, so you've probably seen the ones, the guy in the, 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 out at sea on the boat, the TV ad, and his kind of hair's flapping and he cuts his hair off and little things like that. And it's funny because we had some of the designers and the art, art workers in the office were kind of extras in the video as well. But that was like the TV campaign stuff. But, you know, Dreams Beds, um, Sofa Works, and the companies like that with the so Sofology and all that sort of stuff, those are brands they were working on. Like Breck and Cara Water, kind of the... the um, water brand so I did a lot of work with them as well and it was kind of developing the social strategy and the content but trying to I think the big challenge for me was trying to work with a traditional agency setup so the art director and the copywriter that yesterday were working on an idea for a TV campaign so like guys I've got your book today I need you to work on this social campaign and trying to I think change people's perceptions of it's not the boring stuff this isn't kind of like a couple of tweets in a post um, and I think that's where I really started when I had to learn the hard way of how to change people's perceptions of social was when I thought, you know, I've probably got a bit of a knack for this and, and there's more that can be done. And I felt like I was at my limit there. Um, so I, le I left left JWT and set, set up on my own to set up a, it was really me with a bit of a freelance sort of network, um, called it an agency, but it was essentially me um, as Colossal Creative. But that was... The idea was to supply you know, content and strategy to, to brands and agencies that didn't have the expertise. There was a lot of people at the time that didn't, didn't have the expertise. I worked with numerous agencies um, around Manchester, one being Shooting the Moon at the time, the likes of Cheat and Bell, carried on doing work for them, WRG, working with some of their clients. And um, 
it was, yeah, supplying that kind of knowledge and bringing someone in, I think, as a pitch, they'd bring me in and I'd kind of act a bit more like a planner, but around the social side of things and the strategy and sort of give someone confidence and yeah, that is the right thing to do. Um, did that for a numerous, numerous amounts of years. And then fast forward to where we are now, he's kind of, I, I joined Shoot the Moon three, three years and two months ago. So we were kind of doing a lot of work together and we kind of had a, a similar philosophy, a similar approach to, to how things, I, I'm very content driven. You know, the way we do social, although we, um, the way I used to do social is very much around the strategy and the content, it's consumer brands. It's not about why not try this in the sort of more B2B side or PR side of social. It was very much driven by the content um, and Shoot the Moon being an agency that was started 22 years ago this month actually. Um, was all around, it was a creative agency and it started in, in print and packaging and design. So that was kind of fundamental of, of, of what, what the agency was about. Um, and it kind of married up quite nicely. I think Shoot the Moon's always been, always been a company that's never tried to, to do everything. We, we do what we do, we do it well. Um, so it started around packaging and, and it expanded. Um, and you know, people, people needing photography more and more. And that kind of became, well, okay, well, rather than keep outsourcing photography, brought that in so it was a photography arm of the business digital you know expanded we do a lot of work we've been working for for uh, almost a decade with with pets at home and they kind of do a lot of their packaging work um and it's kind of we'll, we'll we'll create brands from scratch and then we might need to do some digital work for it so that evolved and i think the thing missing at the point when i met shoot the moon was uh, was the social media side it was kind of again they didn't want to turn that work away um but they only wanted to do it if we could do it right. And, and I kind of, being from a more creative background originally, I was struggling with, I've got these ideas, I've got these things I wanna do for brands, but obviously didn't have that, that creative skill set sort of at arm's length and the facilities and, and so on. So obviously we've got now, uh, at the time we, we just had the office in Ancuts, which we've still got, but we've got a couple of you know in-house photography studios, full-time stylists, we're about to open an office in Leeds. We've just acquired a digital agency a couple of weeks ago. so. It, it made perfect sense to actually join something that was kind of a bit bigger. And, you know, we all do the same thing as an agency. We, the way we sell ourselves is that we create engagement and whether that's a piece of photography that's going to make you look at it and go, I want to go and eat at that restaurant, a piece of packaging that you're going to pick up and think, right, I want to buy that product or some touch point on digital that's going to make you click through and go and, you know, buy something on an e-commerce website. It's all content-led, it's all strategic, but it's, you know, it's those touch points and that engagement with the consumer is kind of what we're about. Um, and we say, you know, food, food, retail and leisure is our specialty, especially we've got the in-house food studios, development kitchens, stylists, like I just mentioned. So we are very much geared up for food. Um, and then I think what makes us very different is the fact that the, um, you know, the likes of the social team, if they want some high-end photography, don't have to look up booking out a studio, booking out a stylist, booking out a photographer, lights. They can walk through a door into the studio and get that, that high-end content and it makes us very nimble and, and cost efficient for, for clients really. So I think as a bit of a background, that's kind of where I got to where I am now. And it's only as, as of sort of uh, the back end of last year, I kind of came away from, from sort of the social side of things and became the ops, ops director of Shoot the Moon, which is, yeah, it's a, like you said earlier, serious title. It's, it sounds like a more administrative title sometimes, but I think my role's kind of split between sort of three remits really. So one is operations, looking for our, Sort of you know, what our proposition is and efficiencies within the agency and our capabilities, um, new business, um, and then the strategy. So still, still working on campaigns that, that touch multiple departments um, and making sure that digital is joining up with social and so on. So that's probably uh, yeah. And that's a quick intro, yeah. Yeah, no, nice highlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, might as well. So, so stereotypically, senior roles within agencies and especially mm -hmm. management, if it, any business. You know, you think of a CEO, you quite often think of like a 50-year-old white male in a suit, yeah. which is which is horrendous and thankfully it is changing. But yeah, thankfully. how did you become an operations director at such a young age? How old are you? 28 in January, just gone. Okay, I was a thinker. Yeah, yeah. I just had to remind <laughs> but, myself. But to, you know, as a senior role for somebody so young, how, yeah. how did that come about to be? Why do you think you've progressed as far <coughs> as you have at so such a young age? I think... I think it's it, you know the, the, the cliches things that people say in our passion and quite entrepreneurial in the way I think and do things, but I think fundamentally for me I've kind of I've always you know I am a bit of a perfectionist. I've always wanted to make things better, 
And I think what what I try, and I'm, I'm, I would like to think I'm very much a, a people person. And I think what what I've what I've done is rather than trying to just do things on my own and write, um, no disrespect to some people, but CEO, entrepreneur, master of the world on my LinkedIn for no, for no reason. I've kind of actually like no, I want to work with people um, and be part of a bigger team. And I think the what's what's allowed me to probably do what I'm doing now is we've got a very skilled team. I've worked with very skilled people in, in, in other businesses as well, but especially where we are now, and actually finding the talents and, and putting the right people together to work on the right projects um, is kind of, is, is meant that we create great work really. But I think for me, I'm quite a strategic thinker. And I think I've kind of, if I spot something that can be done better, you know, I, I, will, I will say it. Um, and I'll share, and I think what the, the, you know, the company environment I'm in is from the day I've, you know, I, I joined Shoot the Moon to, to look at social, and now I'm very much involved with sort of across the whole business, and and I think that's because you know the credit to the other my, my business partners is we everyone's been quite open-minded and I've been like right let's look at this let's try this and, and other people putting ideas forward as forward as well, um, but yeah I think I've I've very much been a bit of a you know I'm not the sort of person to to work on something you know and just, just crack on with that. And then when that project finishes, I've usually got quite a lot of things that I'm wanting to do. Work for me has never, ever been nine to five. You know, even from my very first job, uh, I finish I finish work, I usually make some food and I'll, and I'll do more work because it, I think it's it's not work to me, you know. And, and sometimes it, that's not necessarily a good thing. Like you shouldn't always- you have, Thankfully, you have a very understanding girlfriend. <clears throat> yeah, 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 I do, I do. I didn't think I'd, I was trying to like avoid even getting her into this. <laughs> but, uh, into the, yeah, but um, no, she's uh, yeah, she's she's very understanding and she does understand it and she works in the same industry, so she gets it. Um, but there's there's times where you know you do have to. I think I always always say to people, you do have to step away. You do have to, otherwise you you know you're not refreshing. It might affect what you do the next day if you're not you know you can't think straight. But there are times when if you have to work late and you have to put something in as a bit of an extra shift in, you, know, you, you get you get your sleeves up and you get stuck in. And I think to be honest though, that's kind of like that's um, that's why you know that that's. We say that about everyone that we hire at Shoot the Moon. You know, we we do uh, we try and do a lot of work at the minute on on culture. And I think one big thing, and you know, we're, we're very adamant about this when we interview people, is we, we interview. We, you know, everyone's got a skill set, and and they wouldn't they wouldn't be talking to us if they didn't. But on top of that, personality, the sort of people that will roll your sleeves up, and um, and and get stuck into things, is the sort of people that um, that we want to bring into the agency. And I think that's the sort of person I, I tend to have um, have always been. I always use a weird analogy. I've used it with the team a couple of times, but it probably sounds daft. But the sort of people that I like working with and that we tend to hire as a business are the sort of people that if I was lifting some boxes up at the front door, they'd say, do you want a hand? You know, we don't. It's not the people that just think, live to it, that's not my job. And um, we all get stuck in. But I think I'm probably going off tangent, but you're not answering your question. In terms of where <clears throat> getting to this point for me, I've just kind of always wanted to be better. And always, and had quite a keen interest in helping other people be better as well, and I think yeah, being being persistent has allowed me to just sort of keep 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 developing and um, and sort of get to, get to this this point, which is by no means the end. Do you know mm. what I mean? I'm not. There's still loads for me to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned LinkedIn. Obviously, that's you know really important within the business to business uh, sort of networking. I read an interesting comment on LinkedIn recently, mm. and I just want to share it with you because I pissed myself laughing. But I think somebody was, was putting somebody else down for having lack of experience. So they couldn't do a particular job because they were too young. Whilst experience obviously is really, really important, this person's response was brilliant. They said, my dad is in his mid-50s and has played five-a-side football for 30 years, but doesn't make them Real Madrid. That's a great, so that's a great, a great quote. way of putting it, right? Do you think age re- reflects talent and work ethic in any way? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I think there is, there is some pros and cons of, of age I think but I don't I don't think you know the hard and fast of it is it, just because you're 23 doesn't mean you're not as good as someone that's 33 but there is an element for me of, of having time to have under, be able to understand the industry and understand the brand so coming out of uni you know we work with people all the time um, and, and people I speak to that we're interviewing as well I think there's a lot of very, very talented people now. I mean, when I first started working in social and trying to create content, um, compared to you know, the equipment and the technology that was available, is very different to what's available now. And that's only in the last you know, eight to 10 years. Um, 
it's not, um, and I know I've heard on some of your previous podcasts that the, the, the DSLRs and some of the cameras that are available to be able to create a little slow-mo video. So people can come out and create great content. And I think you can do that from any age. I think what you sometimes find though is some people that maybe are slightly older um, have a bit more experience in understanding the consumer and the brand element of things. And I think it's not just about creating a pretty picture because a lot of people could create a pretty picture, but it's about what that piece of content is supposed to do or what emotion it's supposed to create um, or evoke. And I think there's an element of, um, yeah, I think sometimes with age, an experience, it's not just because you've done it longer, you are better. But I think there is an element of, uh, you know, the more you work on things, you more than understand brand. But then sometimes having not having that knowledge allows you to not get sort of um, swayed by what you've done before. So there's, pro, there's pros and cons of both, but I think a good mixture. I mean, we have we have people in the agency, I think our uh, um, sort of youngest staff member, I think 20, 22, 23, um, up to people in the 60s, um, we've got people everywhere in between. We've got um, guys that have been with us and girls for you know 15 years um, and, and some a bit longer. And I think having that mix is quite good for us. It's because, good to have that broad spectrum of yeah, ages exa- exactly, and, and backgrounds exactly. to, to be able to pull on ideas and, yeah. and have those conversations. If yeah. everyone's 22 and the they're, yeah, they're yeah. demographic that they're targeting is 22, fine, they've got something to talk about. But if they're trying to target an audience who's in their 60s, it's not related. No, right? exactly, exactly. And I think, but it only works if both parties, if you will, are open-minded. I think what what's high is when you see people people be like, well, I wouldn't do that, or I wouldn't do this. Well, it's not necessarily like you just say it's not about you. It's about the target market. And I think if you um, people have got to think, you know, I, I'm working on some stuff at the minute um, that couldn't be further away from me as a demographic, um, but. It's not uh, it's not about me, and you've kind of got to look at it from from different angles. And also, I think looking looking at what your objective is and what you want to do with a with a campaign or a video or whatever it is, but also looking at um, what you don't want to do. You know, is there are there some people that are, that you're going to offend with this? Are there some people that you know it's going to the negatives are going to outweigh the positives? And I think you're having a nice mix of people with you know from different different age groups, different genders, different interests. It um, it, it allows it allows to create, you know, to content to not get stale. Yeah, absolutely. So you're very much in a, in a leadership role now. You know, you've, you've transitioned a little bit away from the social strategy. I know you say you still yeah. touch on it on a daily basis, but you are very much a leader, a leader of the agency. How do you go about sort of gaining respect from people who you know, are maybe double your age? Yeah, I think it it is a tricky one. I always remember my um, my first day. Uh, I probably will never forget. It. First day, I remember joining, sort of shooting them in officially. Like I said, I'd worked with them for a while um, as a more of a freelance basis. And I remember coming in, setting up my laptop, and um, we all sit, it's all quite an open plan office and environment. And uh, at the time, I was, um, I think it was 2024, 20, um, and I was the youngest in the agency. Now, I didn't come in, obviously, the role I am now, but um, my title at the time was Social Strategy Director, which was kind of to, to sort of help form that social offering that we have. Um, and I remember coming in, opening my laptop, and sort of looking around and thinking, right, this, you know, the resource that I had available to be able to, you know, if I wanted to go and pitch to get some work, because, you know, we didn't have a social client. If I wanted to go and pitch and I'm working with the designers around me and the photographers, et cetera, and I'm looking around, and you, I remember at the time thinking, most of these people, I think there was one guy that was about 26, um, and they were kind of in their 30s and 40s. And it, 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 is, it is difficult, and it's still difficult at times now, because you kind of think, well, you do have that. I see a lot of people, a lot of the podcasts that I listen to and talk about this sort of um, this sort of imposter syndrome that people talk about. And, it, and I was definitely guilty of that. You're thinking, you know, am I good enough? You know, if I'm going to go over to someone and say, actually, I would do it this way because of X, Y, and Z, you sort of think, can I do it? Should I say that? Because, you know, they have been doing this a bit a bit longer. You know, it might not be in this field. Um, but I think you've just got to have the confidence. And there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. I think the confidence to to say why you should be doing something, but open, but whilst you're doing that, listening to what they're saying back, because you might end up sort of both adding to each other's idea and coming up with something better. I think now in the role I'm in now, that like you say, there's a lot of stuff I deal with now that's um, you know some operational stuff where I'm addressing. You know, we we have um, a weekly stand up at the start of the week. We kind of have a bit of a, an all agency sort of meeting and sort of what we've got going on and 
slightly away from client work, but things like our new office move that's coming up and things like that. And, and uh, we sort of, we take it in turns really between myself and RMD and having those, you know, standing up and saying to everyone, this is what we're doing, this is what we're looking at and, and, and uh, asking for questions back sometimes. It can be quite nerve wracking because you do think I'm, you're looking around the room, do people think you've got the, um, the skill to be doing what you're doing? But I think the more and more I get into this now, especially over the last year, you sort of think, well, who knows? You're here for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I'm one of these people, I'm not, um, I don't, you know, we all have probably insecurities and, and, I, and I have them as well around the fact of, am I, yeah, am I good enough at doing this? Should I be in this position? But I just think, you know, you, you have those thoughts, but I think the thing what I've always done quite well is I don't let those thoughts, I don't let those, um, I don't let that dictate how I am within work. You know, I deal with that in different ways. And, and I think you, as long as I can keep progressing and as long as I keep, you know, talking to people. And I'm quite, I, I quite often will ask people, is everything okay? And we have sit downs with people. If I'm working with someone I've not worked with for a while, I want to be quite vocal and communicate well with them because I'll find out if something's not right than just going over being like, I need you to do this. Um, and I think, yeah, just just explaining to people my thought process behind things helps because, yeah, like you say, in a leadership role, it's not about it's not about dictating. It's not about telling someone to do something. I think people... The difference between boss and leader. Exactly, you know? yeah. And, it, and it's, I think what I'm beginning to learn more and more, like, faster now in this new role is the more I can educate people, I don't need now to justify why I'm in the role. I don't need to tell people that I know stuff. Where past you think, you know, do I need to give a bit of background? Whereas now it's like actually, if I help you and I give you some knowledge along the way, you're gonna pick that. You're gonna you're gonna get that actually. Okay, he's got something to add. Yeah, yeah. You briefly touched on culture, mm -hmm. uh, which is you know quite a buzzword at the moment, but it's very yeah. very important. Yeah. Everyone is talking about culture, especially in the workspace. Yeah. I think there's been a recent study that's proven that younger generations specifically care more about work-life balance mm -hmm. and environment than they do a salary. Yeah. So you know, how important is culture for you? Do you think? <coughs> Massively important. I think it's not, but it's not something. You're right. It's a buzzword, and I think where where you can go wrong with culture is, you know, chucking something on the wall and saying, "Oh, this this is what we do, and our values is that we respect each other and we do this," and 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 not actually having things that you know are firmly instilled in the agency. And I think the, a lot of values people, I've, I've seen things in the past, I read an article the other day about culture and there was, someone, someone was saying, it was like a bit of a one-on-one guide, you know when you get like 10 steps to how to be a startup and things like that, and it was kind of saying, go online, search values and culture values and find the ones that you like the most what other companies are doing. For me, that's a wrong approach. And um, you know, what, what we're gonna look at is getting all, you know, getting senior people within the business and, and and other members of staff as well but looking at what what's what do you value what do you value what do you value because if we're hiring certain sorts of people there are going to be synergies between those people and we're already we've already got values we just don't necessarily you know sometimes we might not have them pinned up on the wall but i think if we if we say you know for us being easy to work with is a is a massive part of our business I mean, we have, we have three values we talk around, um, quite client-facing, which you know, being easy to work with, value for time and value for money. And I think that's why we have a lot of, you know, long five, 10, 12-year relationships with clients. It's because we are those things. It's a given that they want us to do good work, and that's why they come to us. But they'll stay with us because we make their life easier. Um, but also, that's something that if we live by that and we do it internally with each other, people are going to be happier. People are going to find, you know, things easier to work with. If, if I've asked, if I've asked someone for a file um, and I want them to send me an asset and they're not quite sure um, whether I wanted it in this size or this size, you know, just sending both or saying I've given you in this colour as well just in case, that little extra bit that makes the process easier makes everyone day's, everyone's day a bit easier. Things like that. But yeah, I think the, the culture thing for us is more around looking at what sort of people do we want to be, how do we want to be with each other internally. So um, when are you getting a hot tub fitted then in the office? Yeah. <laughs> it's a ball pool and a slide. Oh, I think. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good to know. No, I'll no. be there but next that, week. But that, that's that's a point, and I think it's you know there are places that do that. And don't get me wrong, it, it works for some people, and, it, and there's, there's different scenarios. Mm. I think with a mix of people we have in our agency, you know, putting um, some fake grass down in in a corner or a pool table or you know ping pong table or an office dog, that's not necessarily. You know, some of that stuff would would go down with some people, but I think you've you've kind of you, you've got to look at what what is it doing. It's not about 
<clears throat> it's not about putting something shiny in the corner and saying, look, people, we've, we've, we've given you a table. It's uh, to play ping pong on. It's about actually um, following through on things. We've got um, a head of talent that's doing a lot of work around this for us at the moment. And one one thing she's talked about, which and it, it makes perfect sense, and it, and it sounds pretty obvious, but you, you've got to... Um, you've got to follow through on things and it's not and that's why we're taking our time a little bit on things and especially a lot of stuff you know the new office move for us I think a lot of people know you know things things will be different and um, we, we've got you know we've got a good culture and we've got a good business that's been going for 22 years we're just trying to make it even better and I think what we're looking at is when we when we get in this new environment and it's different to what we're in now um, you know we're moving from three and a half thousand square foot office to seven and a half thousand square foot office it's a lot bigger and we kind of say, well, what, how can we utilize the space? What things can we put in place to make people's days a bit better? But things that we truly believe are valuable to them and not just that will actually you know, look good on a, on a job spec. Yeah, yeah. So we want to hear some juicy gossip of a time that you've possibly made a mistake or messed up. I think... Obviously, we want to hear what you've learned and how, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. how you evolved. And, and, and But everyone makes mistakes and people aren't very happy to talk about their mistakes but I'm you know I've like dropped a lens in front of a client before smashed into a million pieces and you know I learned very very quickly how to deal with that and still do the job it was a horrible feeling but I moved on very very quickly and and learned a lot I've never done it since it was six years ago Um, hold on tight to your lenses kids that's all I'm gonna say (laughs) quick one messed up last night like you know closed up the office locked everything up put um put a laptop on, on the floor, sort of stuff out to get in the car and, and left and left a laptop on the floor in the car park, oh, right. uh, which, which is great. And um, Was it still there in the morning? It, it happened to be still there, so we're all right on that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, I would like to say I'm quite organised and I've got a lot of things and I'm very structured in what I'm doing and in what, what's happening and when. And, and yeah, I can walk out and forget to pick up a laptop. But yeah, I think, you know, in, t- in terms of work stuff, um, yeah, I think, I think, Especially um, when I was more involved day to daily with social, um, I think social is such, and everyone says it, but it's so true. Social is such um, sort of an ever-changing um, arena, and there's so many things constantly changing. And you know, you, what you've got to keep up with that. And I think presenting things to clients, especially in the role I was in, you know, anything strategic would be led by myself. And you know, I'd be in meetings with clients from you know startup foodie brands that we're working with that are you know just kicking this off and we're telling them why it's important to you know a couple of billion turnover companies that are kind of quite big brands um, and groups, you know, and they're kind of we're talking to them and they're, 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 they're sort of I've been in front of boards of directors before saying this is what we should be doing, this is the strategy and talking about things. And I think sometimes you do actually, you know, what you're saying isn't isn't correct. And I think I, I've been I've been in situations where you know you've done that and you've said this is what you're doing, this is why, and then you suddenly realise that because Facebook have changed the feature or they've changed the way their ads managers things set up or something like that, that um, it's probably we do it slightly different. And I think trying to just go with it anyway and hope they don't realise there's a better way is the worst thing you can do. I think years and years ago there was a, a couple of times where, especially when I worked for myself. It was easier financially to not have to redo everything. I think now the best thing to do is just to be, you know, to, to, to own up. And I think I think I've done stuff with the team. We've got a team now that are, you know, very knowledgeable in social. We've got a very knowledgeable digital team, very knowledgeable artwork team, photography. We've got we've got a team of, of specialists, um, and that's that's their role. So you know, as people in not just myself but our head ofs and stuff, they're not going to know more in every area of their subject than, than everyone in the team. You know, it's, you look at a head of digital, he's not gonna be able to necessarily be better at developing than, than some of our developers and, and so on. And I think I was in the position more when I was been in head of social roles where you're saying, oh, this is what we should do, this is right, this is right. And there's kind of, you kind of assume that you, you would know more and, and some of the execs in the team are going, nah, this is, this is the way they've done it. They've changed the analytics now, it's here. And you kind of, and, I'm like, and it's not, just trust me. And, and I've been wrong. And I think just telling them to trust me and being wrong is, is worse because you, then you've got to earn that trust back. Um, but yeah, I think the best thing to do is go, no, you're right. And, and I, I, would, I would always now hold my hands up and play, you know, more than me. Because um, it's not it's not my job as much now to be you know to be the knowledge. I tend to to to, to pull things together a little bit, but that's yeah, that's yeah. what the team. You don't, you, don't, you don't have to know everything. You know, yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. Management, I guess. So social media, yeah, has only really been around for about ten years, mm-hmm. and, and it's had a massive, massive impact on society, both positive and negative. Yeah. What do you think uh, is the role of social media amongst society? 
are we talking? Are we talking <laughs> within people, or are we talking within the industry and for brands? I think um, well, that's, a, that's a good question. Actually, I, I because think that has to be different, and what what brands impact that social media has. On yeah, I think let's it, talk about with people. People, first. people first. I think it has different, you know, different roles for different things. So within people, um, don't get me wrong, the whole, you know, the the core of the fact that we are a more co- connected society, and you know, the generations are far more connected now. Um, there's loads of cons of it, but for me, it's a big positive. It is a big positive, and you know, the fact that people can move to the other side of the world and still have, you know, a daily relationship with family members, um, and the fact that you know, I, I've got friends that I don't. I don't see every year, for example, but I keep in touch with them every now and then. It's nice to see what's going on. So that sounds quite old school, but the you know the, the reasons that Facebook and the likes were created and I remember it's to socialize, right? That was the whole socialize. Point of it. And I remember I you know I, I had Bebo and MySpace back in the day. I remember you used to have Friendster. I, yeah, <laughs> I had my MySpace account for my band and all that stuff. And you know it, it was good to, to to be able to show people what you're doing. Um, and I think that's good. And but growing up uh, for me as well, and, and you know I come from. Um, a family, so you know, my mother and my stepdad are, are, are both. Um, my mom's retired now, but they're both police officers. Um, and hearing, you know, some of the things you hear that social media causes. Don't get me wrong; it is negative, and I think it can have, like you say, that negative impact on society. Um, and I think, I, I think we've got in our industry, we've got a duty of care a little bit to, to sort of be ethical with what we're doing. You know, I think if you're promoting stuff, where where um, doing some where we're pitching at the moment for a, um, a a cosmetic brand is what I'll say, and they're um, you know we want to make sure doing work like that um, we're, we're eth- ethical in the in the things that we put forward and how we do this and um, it's we we've done I've done stuff stuff before with with charity work we do a lot with Royal Manchester Children's Hospital and there's campaigns and we've looked at this and I think a lot of people you look online you do research and they'll jump straight to let's pull everyone's heartstrings <laughs> you know like, let's just say let's just let's show them a really sad video of you know the children in hospital and things like that and I think you've got to you've got to be a bit a bit careful because um, you can you can you can easily with the work we create paint a wrong picture and you can you can alienate, you can alienate people. people and you can create an emotion that's not always positive and I think we've we've got to as marketers we've got to think about that but I think going back to the people is yeah I think it is positive the way you know it, the way it's used at the minute is negative I think we still need to keep looking at it I know Facebook is trying to do a lot more with all the stuff that's happened in recent years but we we need to keep looking at um I think I think leaders in in companies like Facebook Instagram and so on Need to do a lot more to make sure that things, you know, things don't run away. And I think it and then it just becomes just a place to just hate, and we we mm. we've got to look at that. Um, but yeah, I think I think it, it it's it, there is a lot of um, a lot of negativity. I know my mum's view on it is that she's not on Facebook. I mean, my nan is, but my mum's not, and my mum just says, you know, it's the devil's work. <laughs> she's mm. not like a dinosaur or anything, but she just says she doesn't. She she sees a negative side of it. But she's never been on it to see the positive side of it. Um, I think there's arguments for both sides, yeah. But I think we just—it's—we've uh, just got to be wary of, of of how easy we make it to to alienate someone. Yeah, yeah. I think it's still very new. We don't yeah, really yeah. fully, as a society, understand 100%. the impact of social media and how it's going to affect younger generations growing up. I didn't have social media when I was growing up. I mm-hmm. was, what well, I think I was the last generation of the very fortunate people who was yeah. able to, you know, go cycling during the day and not worry about my phone. When you know on my summer holidays, I go build dens and climb trees, and n- didn't think about social. No social media didn't exist. Yeah, it was never yeah. a thing. I just would kind of have to go to my friend's house and knock on the door and said, "Are you in?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think I was very, very fortunate to be able to live that life and grow up without social media. Yeah. So it's I think it's ever evolving. I'm I, I just count my blessings, I guess. Yeah, I think for me, I because I, I had I remember someone came up the day. I think I got my Facebook account in two thousand and eight. Um, so you know, I would have been twenty-seven. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's ten. Yeah, what? Eleven years ago. Sorry, um, I, I wouldn't have been twenty-seven eleven years ago. Um, but yeah, I got it at a time, and it was quite cool. And you only people, I, you know, when it comes up it's, uh, every day now, it says, "This is what you said X amount of years ago, and this is what you said four mm-hmm. years ago, and what you do." And sometimes I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed at like looking back at like the way I wrote things as if I thought people 
with with listening. Like now, I, if I, I don't share things that much on Facebook, and I'm more of an Instagram guy, I think. But I'll put things on, and I can put things on that I think are interesting, that I think my friends will think are interesting. Um, but I don't tell them what I'm cooking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't put on like. Um, I remember it, I, I used to looking back. I used to write things. So where it says like it'll say my name, and it'll ask you like what you're up to today. It, I'd write things like is on his way to uni. Like, oh, and it would right. just and say, it. and posting it, it'd be like, Kieran Edwards is on his way to uni. And I'm just like, what, what, social media at that point for me must have had, it must have had a different role. I must have thought that's what, that's what it was a, was about, was telling people what I'm doing. Yeah. Where now it's not about telling people what I'm doing. It tends to be about sharing things I think they're like. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit of a different, different role really. Yeah. I think it's a nice way to share accomplishments with your friends that, you know, like you said, are maybe on the other side of the world yeah, that wouldn't yeah. normally be able to see. I very, very rarely pay, post on personal Facebook stuff myself. Yeah, yeah. Like I climbed the mountain with a dog, you know, a week ago. Yeah. Took a few photos because we just about made it to the summit of Snowden, you know, when it was minus 10 on the summit. It was ridiculous. And I, w- I took a few photos and I wanted to share the story with my friends. That's, yeah. And that, you know, that's, I've not posted it for sort of six months prior yeah, to that. Yeah. Um, and that's just my way of doing it. Whereas when it comes to work, I post almost daily. Because mm. for me, that's a marketing ploy. I was going to say, almost. well, that's where, like so we said earlier, on for brands people, but brands, yeah, it's very, very different. It's what would you say are the positive impacts of social media for brands? I think availability. I think I, I, talk, I talk about it all the time, and I probably any. any the team I work with, listen. If they listen to this and hear me mention mental availability, they probably laugh because I do mm. hark on about it. Mental availability. Yeah, yeah. So there's a study by a guy called Byron Sharp, and um, he he one of his things was that the two quickest ways to grow a brand is your physical availability and the mental availability. So the physical availability, you know, that's your shop front. That's where you can get your product, for example. Which you know, most brands when they come to us for marketing, they've got that bit covered. Mental availability is where people like us come in. So. You know, brand awareness is one thing, and we're still in an age. You know, if you're doing, you know, paid social and you're tracking it and goal tracking, etc., you can you can attri- you can attribute um, a spend on an e-commerce website back to social. So that's kind of slightly separate, but I think normal day to day, you know, social, you still can't say this work has has made me X amount of money as a brand. So people lean towards saying, no, oh, it's about brand awareness. Well. If I say to you, are you aware of Nike? You would say yes. And if I say you're also aware of Adidas, you would say yes. If I say to you, right, you need some new trainers, where'd you go? Where would you, which brand would you pick first? Where would you go? Uh, I'd go for Nike. Yeah, probably because they're more mentally available to you. So they're at the forefront of your mind because you will- Did you know I was going to say that? Can't. No, I didn't know you'd say, because I don't know what you look at on social media, but you, I know you'd have, you'd have an obvious one that would come to your mind, everyone does. Right. Um, and that's because you will have probably seen more from that brand. You might have engaged with stuff. You might have just seen things and scroll past it. But it's because their video content is insane. You go. Exactly. So their video content does more than brand awareness. Their video content increases their mental availability with you. So mm-hmm. that when you need trainers, you think of Nike before you think of Adidas. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me, part of the role of social media for brands. So if you think going back before social media, how, how would you do that? Like, how, how would you... Um, how would you increase that mental ability? It's quite hard. And when you go to like the print days and you put a poster up and it's up for however long and if you want to change it, you've got to wait till the next run. Whereas social media now, for a brand, you can put something out there. You can take data back of how it's being received and is it resonating with people and you can refine it based on what's worked and keep increasing that. And I think, I think it, you know, it is great for a brand, but also I think it's good for people because I think you get more option. You know, I think rather than, you know, if I want to, if I want to buy something, it's not a case of I've got to go into a local town at the weekend, I've got to go and look through the shops and find it. There's a lot of things available to me because of what I see on social media. So I quite like the fact that um, when the time comes around and I want some trainers, as an example, I've probably already seen quite, I mean, there's some New Balance ones I keep seeing at the minute and I really want some. And, I, you know, that's just there waiting for the time when I feel like I'm going to go and buy some trainers. And I think part of, you know, the role of social is is, is that really is, is increasing that mental availability um, through various means and a big one is engagement you know if you can if you can get people we, we've got a client we work with that's um it's, it's, it's a puck pie company and it's kind of you know, is it puck pie pardon is no, it puck no, no, pie no, no, no. no. <laughs> I can't think of any other yeah. oh, they're just pies in the fish yeah, shop yeah, aren't yeah, they yeah, yeah. So, so they're called they, they mentioned they're called Jones Pies 
um, over in Huddersfield, and they're um, decent, decent. Well, the best. I'm not just saying it. Hands down. I mean, I'm from Wigan. I know my pies. <laughs> uh, the best pork pies I've ever had. But they do different ones. So you've got like blue cheese and Stilton, and you've got like berry black pudding and things like that. And um, you know, we started working with them, and they were, you know, they were quite, you know, they were well-known brand locally. But through some of the stuff we've done, we've we've kind of we've really kind of grown the audience. And it's not, you know, they're not your, um, they're not Walkers or Coca-Cola. But they're a brand with a very engaged audience because what you know what we've done is we've purposely tried to engage with people all, along that M62 corridor because that's that's their target market where they, they they're kind of in local butchers and shops but they're also in like um, service stations and things like that. Anyway, the audience on there are very engaged. We once put a, a, a picture on, um, and this was it looked simple, but it was on purpose. There's a picture of um, a black pudding pot pie just cut into it, so you can just see the layer of black pudding at the top. And literally, all the copy says was absolute game changer. And that had, organically, before we even started boosting anything, I think, I'm, I might be wrong, but I'm sure it was about 2,500 likes, and it had over 1,000 comments. And From sh- fans of black pudding? From fans, well, fans of pies that have kind of gone, that is brilliant. Yeah. And they've commented, but they all start tagging their friends and engaging with it. But what they're doing now, the amount of people that probably, hopefully, if they see that Jones Pies logo in a shop, might pick it up now because they've been engaging and they've got that awareness and it's forefront mm-hmm. of the mind. Um, and we, we've had, I've, I've had, this is a 100% true story. I've been in a meeting with a client and we were talking around things and how this works, having a similar conversation to this, you know, what we're talking about right now and trying to explain the process. Um, and a client got his phone out and showed me a picture of that post on Facebook of that pork pie and said, we want something like this. So that was a client I was sort of pitching to do work with. And they and, didn't know you'd done And they didn't that. know we'd done it, but right. his friend had tagged him in the pork pies. Right. But he was like, the fact that he'd seen everyone tagging their friends in and they're engaging with the brand and he's like, we want some of this. And it's kind of, obviously it's nice to be able to go, oh, well, that's us. Um, but I think that, that engagement for the brand is, is a key and constantly. I mean, it's different for different people. You know, some, some bigger brands look at things differently, but we work with you know, food, FMCG brands. You know, the, the brands that they don't really, a lot of them don't care as much about their website because they don't sell through it. You know, they're selling Tesco, Sainsbury's, Co-op, Aldi, so on. Um, well, obviously Aldi's a lot of their own brands, but you kind of, they want that online engagement because they don't sell online. They want they want online engagement, so you keep remembering the product. So when you walk past it in the aisle, you know you pick their product up over the one that you see next to it. And I think that's a big part of what you know what social media does now that we didn't have years ago. Yeah. So on that note, you think yeah. social media is no longer an afterthought for brands, or is it still? Ooh. Now that's a very good question because I would say. I would say no, in the world that I'm in. But I think, I, I do believe through some people I speak to that there's still a lot of brands that they, they don't know what they don't know. And I think there's the kind of, they still don't quite realise um, the, the value it can add and what it can do. Um, but I think if you look at successful brands now, you know, and look at the effort they're putting into it, um, you know, and there's an argument to say brands like McDonald's, you know, and KFC, they are big brands anyway, so they're always going to do well. But the effort that they're now putting into content. And to be honest, this ties nicely actually quite, the whole reason when I started to get, trying to get into this and work for myself originally was because that value that I saw in wanting to create, you know, putting the same effort in we used to put into campaigns at JWT for a TV ad into social and, that, and driving that content. Um, that's kind of what people are doing now. You see, you see less and less now, far less, hardly any at all actually, of brands just posting their TV ad on Facebook which is what used to happen a lot of the time. That's where they invest the time. Whereas now you find, you know, McDonald's are creating content in the studio. They're doing stuff purely for social and some of it. Like high end content. High end content, high end content. You know, we, we, um, we do a lot of work, you know, with, with another agency for, um, for Aldi's Instagram account. Um, but we do the photography side of it and it's, um, you know, it's it's a lot of nice food. It's, it's seasonal. It's um, amazing shots. Like lots of detail going into the styling of it. Um, but that's high end photography. Like really high end. Yeah, food using photography. twenty five thousand pound Phase One cameras. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> None of your yeah, yeah. iPhone photography. I mean, the, yeah, Phase One cameras are just phenomenal. Um, but that that's I think that's that's a big difference as well. And like we were saying earlier um, about the fact that the kit that's available now and people are 
you know, can pick up in a kind of 5D quite cheap and do some good content. But then, yeah, you do get to that level, I think, of things like probably when you look at video and you look at the likes of Reds and stuff or in photography phase one, and we've got a Mamaya camera as well, the quality is exceptional. And I think it's the the demand for that now is um, is is ridiculous. I think we look at some stats the other day, and it was I mean the millennial generation. I think it was thirty nine percent of millennials in in a survey. I think it was over a hundred thousand people said that they would um, shun a restaurant if it didn't have nice imagery on its Instagram account. Now I know thirty nine percent is not the majority. But that's still a very high percentage of people now in this day and age that are basically would be turned away from a restaurant, not not because they've tried the food, not because their friends said, oh, I went there and it's crap, literally because they've seen an Instagram account and it looks rubbish, so I'm going off it. So there's kind of that need to to put the effort in to that content because that's where that's that's your that's your shop window now, and I think that's what what we're finding with a lot of restaurant chains now are wanting to put more effort into into that content. Mm. What do you think's next for social? Live was was a big thing. Live last was a big year. thing. Is that slowed down in your opinion? Um, Has that kind of been and gone, or do you think there's still think room so, for that? Yeah, I think it has. I think so in line with three D for cinema, mm, where VR, we just three D VR. It's about, it's about content, isn't it? It's about content <laughs> and story. Ultimately, when it comes to yeah. any any types of video, audio, you know, any written work, it's all about story, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, I think, I think. It's got to be easy, the content to 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 to, um, to take in, and I think we are, um, collectively, we are a lazy generation. I think if you if you look at things, we the, the, we was looking at something the other day, and you know look at some of the biggest brands in the world, um, the likes of you know Airbnb owns no properties, you know eBay owns no products, Uber owns no taxis, and it's kind of. Um, we're kind of people, there's a lot of that sort of middleman mentality on stuff and, and you kind of, um, with that, it creates an, an easy way to do things. And you look, look at likes of Amazon, you can purchase things with one click now. They make it so easy. Look at their website, it's changed a little bit this last year, but look at their website over the last 10 years and look at a lot of other e-commerce websites. The Amazon website has hardly changed because what they've done is they've refined the little bits that make it easier to purchase and make it simple to make it purchasing. Look at <clears throat> the fact that you can get a film as a generation now we can we'd have to go back. I remember going to Blockbuster from our parents and going like can we have that one? And we get it and we'd have to take it back within three days or whatever it was. You can get a film like instantly on Netflix. You can listen to a song instantly on Spotify that you want. So the fact that everything's so accessible to this generation, um, content needs to be the same. If you have to decipher something or you have to go and click somewhere to read this, to do that, to do that now, or sit for 20 minutes through a live video to get to the actual point of what you're watching it for, then it's just not working. I think things just have to be, just hit you in the face straight away and, and, and sort of do its job, which is why I think live, we don't have many clients that have really wanted to capitalise on live. For some people it's worked really well, but I think I, I think it wasn't as big as it was planned to be, I think. Yeah, yeah. Prove us wrong Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, no. Like, it, things like Instagram TV, you know, that came out and that was supposed to be the next big thing. And that's yeah. maybe I've just not consumed it as, as an individual. I know I've thought this before because I don't. I mean, I, I I'm guilty of looking at Instagram daily. You know, if, if I'm waiting for a cab, I'll I'll look at Instagram. Whatever I'm doing, I'll, I'll tend to just to just always default back to it. I don't think I've ever watched a full video on Instagram. Um, I mean, I've watched stuff and through work and looked at things inspiration, but personal consumption, I've never really looked at Instagram TV. And I think... Do you watch videos on the Instagram feed, though? Yes. So and I watch stories. I always watch yeah. stories. I sit so, there going through everyone's stories. So all Instagram had to do was lengthen that 60-second limit mm -hmm. on the feed or mm -hmm. on the stories, and that's your Instagram TV. Yeah. But instead, they tried to develop a new platform that nobody seems to have transitioned to. But again, think about it. If you open your phone, you go onto Instagram. In, I, know, I know it's only a couple of clicks, but Instagram TV isn't directly there. So this is our latest. I don't know where it is actually, thinking about exactly. it. Exactly. So because it's not so obviously accessible, we don't do it. That's how lazy we are as a generation, I think, because mm -hmm. people have to go, you know, they click at the top, they click on it. I mean, you get to, you can go to people's profiles and you see, I do it. I go to a profile, whether it's a brand, whether it's some, you know, um, sports personality or anything like that, and you go, and, or, or a musician. 
and you see their stories, and you see the one of the first one that comes up, which is their Instagram TV channel, and I always think, if I click on that, there's going to be a 10 minute long video, I'm not interested, I just want to flip through content. So I go onto the stories or I scroll down the feed. Um, but yeah, I think for me, the, the accessibility, the people that I know that use Instagram TV, it seems to be quite niche. People that are really interested in, you know, I know someone that watches a lot of fishing videos. I know someone that watches a lot about gaming and techniques. And it's kind of, I think when you've got someone specifically you follow, it may be an influence and you learn a lot from it and you might put it on your headphones at work and listen to it like you would a podcast. Um, but I think, you know, the billions of people now using social on a daily basis that just want a quick fix, it's too much effort to go to Instagram TV. Maybe if some like big celebrities got on board, you know, if Will Smith started posting regularly yeah, on Instagram yeah. TV, it might take off a bit more. But yeah, I think yeah. where it is at the moment, there's just not big enough personalities on there. Yeah, and Maybe I think, need to look harder. But. but also, if you look at it as well, this is what I was saying. A lot of people still slate brands for 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 bombarding bombarding them with with ads and everything. But that's they've got to do it because they can't they can't go doing really some brands it works. You know, Red Bull have a good Instagram TV channel. But it's, it's, again, it's quite it's, it's a niche to an extent. Well. Exactly, exactly. Which is but amazing. if you've got, you know, just as an example, let's pick out a brand. So, you know, Peroni. If you've got a brand Peroni beer and they've done an Instagram TV channel, when it's a brand, you've always got that thought in the back of your head that they're selling to you. You don't think it, but subconsciously that, you know, that brand's putting content in front of you because, like we said earlier, that whole engagement piece. So, I just know, why would I sit here for 15 minutes and watch a video from Peroni? What am I gaining from it? I'm selfishly, I'm not gaining anything. So because the brands don't get a lot from it, they're not doing a lot on it, and they're the ones that carry it. I, it's funny you say that. I don't think of that when I watch any Red Bull content. I don't, yeah. as a consumer, I don't feel Be, like I'm being sold to, but it's always in the back of my mind. And I know that Red Bull is attached with yeah. extreme athletes and yeah. amazing video content. Yeah. Because what you're getting you know, because they're doing it right. They're creating, you know, I don't mean emotive and it makes you cry, but they're creating emotive content is whatever the emotion is for you. But you, I, you know, I know you've got outdoor interests and there'll be certain videos that um, that they watch that to you, no matter whether it was Red Bull or someone else, you'd still watch it. And that's the difference. They're putting mm -hmm. content in front of you that's not about Red Bull. They're kind of going, hey, do you know what? We're, we're celebrating everything that's good about motocross. And you might be interested in motocross, which is why you're watching it. Um, you know, I, I still like putting a lot of playlists on and listening. To, I, I listen to quite a wide vary music. I get, I get sort of rinsed for it all the time. But I still quite listen to some DJs, and I think Red Bull have like things and they sponsor like the Mix Lab and stuff like that. So I, I'll, I'll watch, put their YouTube videos on to, to like a one-hour DJ set while I'm at work. Sometimes listening to some stuff in the background. Um, but yeah, if if I saw something and there was a brand, I don't know why I'd sit there and watch it on an Instagram channel or why. I'd, why I'd want to get home and go on it and watch it, yeah, which yeah. is why it's not it's not done that well. Amazing. I think we could uh, talk about social media. Yeah, we slag off brands all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to come to a close there. So okay. thanks very much for your your insight and social leadership. It's been amazing. Is there any sort of last little things you want to add in little nuggets or any ways for us to contact you or STM? Yeah, now's, uh, a, now's a chance to plug. Now's a plug it, plug it. Well, yeah, any, anyone that wants to wants to chat about anything, people want to work with us. People want to mention like, come and work, come and work with them for us. My email's Kieran, K I E R A N at shoot hyphen the hyphen moon dot co uk. I'll put it in the show notes. Put I'll the put the website in the show. But yeah, I think like, from from me really, just I think the key thing is anyone in this industry is just you know, con People have said it for so long. Content's key. And I think it still will be, and it's still going to be for a long time. And, and video, a lot of the stuff that you do, I think is going to be a big driver of that. Yeah, make me a millionaire. <laughs> Boom.